Hey, everybody, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Today's guest I met a little over five years ago when we both were speakers for the McDougal Advanced Study Weekend, and I was so impressed with his work. I've been wanting to interview him ever since. I don't know why it took me so long. He's written many books, many best-selling books about the Blue Zones, and he's here today to answer some of your questions that you sent in about his work. Please welcome to the show, Dan Butner. It's wonderful seeing you again. You look well. Nice to see you too. Hey, what have oh, you been doing the last? <laughs> I'm sorry, what'd you say, Dan? It's a reunion. Absolutely. So what have you been doing the last five years? I have written another book called The Blue Zone Kitchen, where uh, a National Geographic photographer, David McCoy, and I went back to all the blue zones. And remember, blue zones are areas where people live statistically longest. And probably 60% of how long they live is dictated by what they eat. They eat a whole food plant-based diet. Shocker there. And um, I often say the most important ingredient in uh, longevity is taste. So we spent the better part of two years finding the best chefs in blue zones, which is to say, you know, women between the ages of 70 and 90 who, who really possess, who key, are the keepers of this great food tradition. And we photographed and, and collected the recipes. And then, you know, I, um, I, I have a company that uh, helps cities lower their obesity rate and raise their life expectancy. And um, since I've seen you last, I, um, we, we went from about five cities to 53 cities. And, and we have a huge team, a couple hundred people who help cities get healthier, not by trying to change their behaviors, but by changing their ecosystem so the healthy choice is the easy choice yeah that that really is what it needs it needs to be the default right now it's the unhealthy choice is what's easiest and you then know, i go off oh. <laughs> <laughs> good well, it looks very beautiful where you are i heard about your book from darshana thacker i was interviewing her for one of the summits and she said it was one of her favorite cookbooks so that's oh, quite a compliment darshana is one of my favorite chefs in the world she can do more with the dollar in making tasty longevity food than anybody in the world, I think. And her Forks Over Nice platform is fantastic. I, 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 she, I agree, she's an extraordinary chef. Well, what interested you in, 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 in to begin with with the Blue Zones? Because was there even a concept of Blue Zones before you started studying it? No, there wasn't a concept before I started. Uh, I'm a lifelong explorer for National Geographic and, and uh, I've, I've led about 20 expeditions uh, almost all of them scientific. And, and um, a long time ago, my editor at National Geographic, the great Peter Miller, uh, said to me that if you want to do relevant expeditions in this day and age, you need to add to the body of knowledge. You need to solve a mystery. You need to better the human condition. So I really started focusing on unraveling mysteries, like why the Maya civilization collapsed and Marco Polo go to China. And uh, in stumbled upon a really interesting mystery in Okinawa, Japan. They were producing the longest lived women in the world, about 30 times more female centenarians among um, Okinawan women than you'd expect to see in the United States. And I thought, aha, now there's a good mystery. So I got funding from the National Institutes on Aging and an assignment from National Geographic. And um, we spent two years finding areas where people live statistically longest, uh, Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, Italy, Nicoya Peninsula, Costa Rica, 
the Seventh-day Adventists in the United States and Ikaria, Greece. And I was searching for a name for these long-lived areas. And there was a very clever physician in Sardinia who'd been, who was doing a longevity study there. And he was describing the area he was studying as the Blue Zone. And um, I uh, expanded that name, extended it to mean any place in the world where people live the longest. And uh, it first was an article for a cover story for National Geographic. And since then, it spawned three New York Times bestselling books. And uh, I never intended at AJ to be a, you know, mini career, but it's taken on a life of its own and it's brought me along with it. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm wondering, is there an opposite of the blue zones? Is there a red zone where people, five countries perhaps, where people actually live the shortest? Well, yes, but that's not, places like Senegal and Haiti have the lowest life expectancy. Uh, that's because they're suffering from infectious disease and crime and uh, not because they're failing to eat the right food. In fact, I would argue that some of the people in Senegal probably have a healthier diet than the average American does, but uh, they don't, average American doesn't have to worry about um, infant mortality or um, uh, malaria, giardia, dysentery, and the types of things that they're, they're, they're struggling with. Yeah. Jerry, who's watching live, says, Dan is a legend. I agree. So I heard you say on a podcast once that your zip code can determine your longevity. Yeah, I mean, that goes right along with, um, with the central premise of Blue Zones. You know, we, uh, so I spent 20 years studying these places, and you're, you're, the first inclination is to go look for a diet or some herb or some supplement or some other, you know, quick fix. But the truth of the matter is in places where people live a long time, it's not because they have any better discipline than anybody else listening here does, or uh, they don't have a better sense of individual responsibility that you hear politicians banter, banter about and so far, you know, they're no more aware, they're no more educated, they have no more discipline. Uh, but what they do have are, are, are environments where the healthy choice, you know, whole food, plant-based food, um, is the easy choice that uh, every time they go to work or a friend's house or out to eat, it occasions a walk. Uh, the option to recede into your into your apartment and play on your device doesn't exist. You're expected to participate socially. So you don't have the level of loneliness. There's vocabulary for purpose. And these things add up and they add up to about eight extra years of life expectancy, but they also add up to maybe 15 years of disease-free life. And at the end of the day, that's what we really want. We wanna be vibrant and, and um, have sharp minds and uh, great physical activity. And uh, in blue zones, you know, the average American has about three years of something called morbidity, which are the bad disabled years at the end of our lives. Uh, but in blue zones, that morbidity period is compressed to about six months. So they're living a long time, dying fast and leaving painlessly, largely, and leaving a lot more money left over for their children. Nice. When you started studying this, Dan, did you change your diet in any way or implement any changes based on what you observed? Yes, I've gone uh, almost completely whole food plant-based. I'll eat a little fish here and there, but not much. And I don't touch meat anymore and I don't touch dairy. None of the blue zones are they consuming dairy. Um, I know that um, 
well, when I say dairy, I mean cow's dairy. They'll, they'll eat a few eggs here and there, but not, not to the three, three egg omelet like we do in America. Um, I also know that socializing face-to-face -face is actually good, not only for your happiness, your, for your health. And I did less of that. I, I worked way more than I should. I've reconnected with my family. Um, I, and I've also very consciously moved to places that are walkable. You know, I'm here in Miami right now and I, I can walk downstairs and walk to the beach, walk to a park, walk out to eat. And um, that makes a huge difference in your, your weight, your fitness, and, and also just the number of times you're connecting with other human beings. Absolutely. I imagine that they eat very little, if any, processed food in the blue zones. That's right. Traditionally speaking, you have to be careful, though, because um, even though my work is a meta-analysis, so it, it has um, aggregated how people have eaten over the last hundred years, um, you know, a centenarian ate very little processed food and very little meat and uh, in many cases never had a Coke. Uh, but today, the American food culture is crashing over blue zones like a destructive tsunami. And uh, along with it, their life expectancy is, is plummeting. Their obesity rates are going up in diabetes. So the standard American diet uh, is, is uh, destroying blue zones. Oh, boy. Was there anything that you observed that, that surprised you? Yes, a lot surprised me. I, the, I'd say the, the role of, of um, purpose, the, having this uh, vocabulary for purpose and how people are modeling through life and existential angst about what they should be doing. They, they know why they wake up in the morning. It makes their life easier. It reduces stress because day-to-day -day decisions are easier and they have ballast for tough times. Um, it surprised me the role of beans that people are eating about a cup of beans a day. I had no idea the humble bean would be emerge as such a mighty longevity food. <coughs> the role of sweet potatoes, particularly sweet purple sweet potatoes in Okinawa, that was 70% of the caloric intake of Okinawans until about 1970. Um, just one food alone. Um, I was surprised at the strong social networks that are placed on human connection that is so often overlooked by us. And, and um, yeah, and that there is a blue zone among the Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, this uh, humble conservative Christian group uh, based in California around Loma Linda, California, outliving Americans by as much as 10 years and they live right off the San Bernardino freeway. And uh, that surprised me. So lots of surprises. So I'm actually blue zone adjacent now. I, I left LA a few years ago because it was too stressful. And I live about 45 minutes from Loma Linda now. Really? Uh, along on the way between LA and Loma Linda? No, towards Palm Springs. That way. Oh, a little east. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Have you ever tried those purple potatoes? They're amazing. Uh, all the time. And I'll tell you, I'll give you one of the easiest blue zone recipes. You take those purple potatoes and you steam them until they're soft and you mix them with coconut milk. And I'll oh, tell you what, it is a crowd pleaser. Yeah, they're the best. It, they're, they're, not, they're not always available everywhere in the United States, but, but I can order them online. They're fantastic. 
That's right. Yeah. And about 150% uh, more uh, of antioxidants, the anisinids of blueberries. So the, the same, you know, all this stuff. But they're just delicious. They taste like eating dessert. Yeah, they do. It's one of those uh, uh, guilt-free indulgences. Yeah, they're amazing. You know, I'm, this week I'm hosting something called the GI Health Summit. And I want, and there's so much disease in general in America, but GI disease, bowel disease, GERD, reflux, IBS, SIBO. Do the people in the blue zone suffer the same way from the GI tract as we do or because of their diet, they, they don't seem to have the same kind of diseases? My personal opinion is a lot of that, a lot of the problems we're having with our gut in America is because we have an unhealthy microbiome. You know, at the at the uh, end of our gut, our GI tract, we have about a seven-pound mass, and um, it's composed of a hundred trillion bacteria, and those bacteria produce something called short-chain fatty acids, which leach into our bloodstream, and they can control inflammation. They fine-tune our immune system. Very important in a time of COVID. They govern our mood. The only thing those good bugs consume is fiber. And the standard American diet, pizzas, hamburgers, chips, soda, zero fibers. And when you start starving those bacteria in our gut, they turn to the mucous membrane and they diminish that. And that is uh, creates a form of leaky gut syndrome. It creates a lot, you literally leach shit into your bloodstream and causes inflammation to go up. It causes uh, gas and pain and and uh, people in blue zones are eating a cup of beans. They're eating minestrone. They're uh, eating out of their garden every day. Uh, and lo and behold, uh, I never observed any case of leaky gut syndrome or um, Crohn's or any of these other autoimmune diseases that that so plague us in the United States. Do you think if we moved to relocated to a blue zone as an adult, that it would improve our microbiome or could we do that just by adopting the blue zone diet? You don't have to move. I, you know, I, I believe we are products of our environment, dietary products of our environment. If you live in a food desert, you're gonna eat crap food. I mean, it's, it, it's impossible to go tell a single mother who lives in uh, urban Detroit or uh, rural Iowa to go eat a healthy diet to make healthy choices because 98 out of 100 choices she's confronted with are bad um, and people want to eat good food. So do you have to go to a blue zone? No, but um, it's important that your, your chances of obesity and even your life expectancy is a function of living in a place where you have easy access to uh, healthy food. And by the way, you know, there's this obsession with health, uh, fresh fruits and vegetables. Are they ideal? Yes. But for a lot of Americans, that's an unattainable hurdle. They can't afford to go to Whole Foods or whatever. Um, you can get 90% the, uh, the, a, blue, a blue zone diet by going out and buying a 25 pound sack of beans, some brown rice, corn tortillas, some nice spices, um, and create your own blue zone. Yeah. And I wonder if anybody has ever thought to study the diversity of the microbiome of the people in the blue zones versus us. Yes, it's been done in Sardinia and uh, the diversity of the microbiome uh, for an 80 year old in Sardinia is about twice that of a 
of a, an American. So in other words, you have about two times more species, uh, closer to uh, 1,500 species as opposed to about 750 species. In the, and as you know, gut health is a function of the diversity of bacterial species in our gut. Absolutely. So many of the doctors today are promoting something called intermittent fasting. Do they do that in the blue zones or how many meals are they generally eating per day? They're generally eating two and a half to three, two to three. Adventists will typically eat a breakfast. Well, not typically, but a pattern is often uh, 10 a.m. breakfast and a 4 p.m. dinner and that's it. Okinawa breakfast uh, like a king, lunch like a prince, dinner like a pauper. So they are getting all their calories in an in a eight hour, eight to ten hour window, and uh, not snacking in between. What do they primarily drink in the blue zones? Water. That's what I uh, thought you were going to say. <laughs> coffee. Uh, most of them drink coffee and or tea, net positive. And uh, you know, wine in at least three of the blue zones, which uh, which we've seized upon. Right. Uh, not, not, not in Loma Linda, though. <laughs> no coffee or alcohol for the seventh day. Well, you know, if you, that's the mantra. But if you uh, if you look at the epidemiology, about half of them are drinking um, alcohol. But we did, you know, we found a wine. I'm very proud of it. A Blue Zones wine that has uh, about three times the levels of the antioxidants that reduce uh, inflammation of the arteries called procyanid. And... Um, it's a Grenache grape, it's very red. Uh, it's, it grows in, a, well, it's a type of, uh, they, they call Kananao in, in Okinawa, but I'm, I'm sorry, in Sardinia. But, you know, we, we kind of tongue in cheek say that's their heart medicine. Interesting, that's funny. I was wondering, do they have a typical bedtime and wake up time in the blue zones? Before 1980, it was when the sun, about an hour after the sun went down and about an hour before the sun came up. That was bedtime and wake up up time. Uh, uh, a nap is a very common sleep feature in blue zones associated with about a third lower rate of heart disease. So you get the tired mid-afternoon, get that shut eye. Did you notice that they had a wide diversity of the foods they ate or did they typically eat the same meals? They pretty much ate the same foods over and over. You know, kind of a rolling list of about 20 different um, ingredients. In, in, the, in the blue zone kitchen, the the, the uh, book, 100 Recipes to Live to 100, uh, I identified each of those 20 foods. And it's, there's actually some research that shows that with a, a, a lower diversity of food ingredients, uh, you actually consume fewer calories. That doesn't mean you can't make those, those ingredients taste delicious. Um, there's also some evidence that suggests that uh, having fewer exposing your body to fewer ingredients on a daily basis is, is better for your immune system over time. Because, you know, if you introduce a new compound to your body through maybe a really exotic food, your body has to deal with that as a foreign sort of entity. And there's a process called methylation, which uh, a one-way switch that turns our cells off or on. And once, once they're turned on, they'll mount a response. But once you use up that the, those uh, uh, immune cells, uh, you don't uh, you don't they're not available for later in life for a, a cancer, you know, COVID or something. Other than the fact that they did a lot of walking, were there any other exercise patterns you noticed? Gardening, 
they don't, you know, exercise, I think, is a, a, a unmitigated public health failure. You know, it's a, it's a huge hundred plus billion dollar a year business, but fewer than 15% of Americans get enough exercise, which is to say, okay, I'm going to walk my 10,000 steps or go to the gym or run a triathlon. People, people have the intention of doing it, but they don't actually do it. In blue zones, the exercise is it's not conscious. It's unconscious movement every 20 minutes to just do their daily routines. Yeah. So Diane, who's watching live, is asking, why are the blue zones so limited in the world and more places not turning into blue zones? You, a blue zone is produced when you have a sweet spot of a culture that is eating the right way and moving the right way and socializing the right way and also has very good public health. Um, so that, by the way, there's no blue zone where you can't get a vaccination or children aren't, um, uh, don't have access to antibiotics or good, good uh, care when they're born. So, uh, so you have to have very good public health. And by the way, most blue zones have better public health than we do. It's not to say they have better uh, care if you, you know, want a facelift or need open heart surgery, but they're spending more money keeping you healthy in the first place rather than trying to fix you in, 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 this, in the second one. Uh, again, globalization, in other words, engineering almost all physical activity, activity out of our lives with gadgets and machines. And really the American food um, tradition is destroying the chance of any other blue zones anywhere else in the world. I mean, you can't go to Sri Lanka or, or Africa or Latin America without seeing a KFC or a Burger King or chips or sodas or, you know, candy bars. And, and, that, and that's what's, that's what's uh, foreshortening our lives. Absolutely. Did you notice any kind of emotional qualities that the people in the blue zones possessed? No. They're just like you and I, that people suffer depression, people are anxious, they worry about their kids. Um, they do have the benefit of more social interaction without trying, and that, um, that will keep them in a better mood and, and um, preserve mental health better than you know, living in a typical American city, LA for example. Yeah, that, that's, that is toxic. How do they manage stress in the blue zones? Well, first of all, they have people just like us, but um, the Adventists have prayer, which is a form of meditation. Start the day and before every meal, slow down with prayer. The Okinawans um, have ancestor veneration, remembering where they came from, the... Uh, uh, Sardinians do happy hour. The Ikarians and Costa Ricans take a nap. All the, and, and then just the, the um, uh, implicit socialization that they have all day long, six to seven hours of talking face to face. Uh, all these things reduce stress, but not because they consciously do. They, they don't say, I'm going to go relieve stress by meditating or something. They just do what they their culture nudges them to do and lower stress is the result. 
Interesting. Rowene, who's watching live, says, is routine a predominant feature in the Blue Zones? I would say so. I, I, I didn't call that out particularly, but they do tend to wake up at the same time every morning, have meals at the same time, take a nap at the same time. There's annual traditions of festivals and birthdays are celebrated. Um, religion is an important a component in all blue zones. So either on Saturday or Sunday, there's as little as an hour and as much as 24 hours where people stop everything and focus on their religion. Interesting. I don't know if you talked about this, but what one of the things that really adds to the quality of my life is, is having companion animals. Do, do, do they have pets? Did a lot of them have pets? Um, well, not the... Not exactly the way we think. And so in Sardinia, they'll have shep there's shepherds and they'll have sheep that they'll name and they'll almost treat like um, sentient beings. But there is a kind of Faustian bargain where they'll get six or seven good years of life. And then there's a, a, a one day where they have a very bad day and, and um, but they don't have, you know, the, the American tradition of dogs and cats is, is, you know, where they're a member of the family. You don't see much of that. Right. Oh, then, they, then they can't move there. <laughs> so is there such a thing as a longevity food? I know you mentioned beans, but anything else? You know, I don't, I don't like to think of, I don't believe in superfoods. And I think that misguides people. Um, longevity food is any whole plant-based food, in my opinion. Um, uh, the reason I like to highlight beans is because it's a good meat substitute and, um, it's a, for protein. And also if you cook it right for taste. So at the end of the day, when it comes to a longevity food, you can't think of it as something I'm going to take for the next six months and get healthy. It's gotta be something that you're going to take for, um, 20 years, you're going to eat for 20 years. So uh, that's why the categories are the longevity foods, beans, whole grains, tubers, uh, nuts, um, fruit, you know, all these. And rather than trying to point out one that's, you know, maybe has some micronutrient advantage, uh, I like to say, of those above categories, you pick the food you like the best, and that's your longevity superfood because you're more likely to eat it for long enough to keep you from developing heart disease or diabetes or you know even dementia. Do you have a favorite Blue Zones meal? Yes, I make a Sardinian minestrone. It's in the Blue Zones kitchen uh, that was cooked every single day by the family that won the Guinness World Record for longevity. Nine siblings and their collective age was 861 years. And they had the same bowl of Sardinian minestrone, three beans, uh, garlic, tomato, olive oil, peppers, oregano. They ate that longevity cocktail every day of their lives. And that's, uh, I, I, I could walk over to my refrigerator right there and I, I'd show you five containers of it because I make it every week and I, I, I eat it like a supplement. Wow. Did the people know they were being studied and how do they feel about their success? 
they, so I was, I, oh, yes, they did know they were being studied, first of all. Two, I think they enjoyed it. The, you know, these people lived in a, obscurity and my team comes along and takes a general interest in their lives and their stories and people like that. We weren't out to exploit them. Um, but now that uh, they've become famous, like uh, the blue zone I discovered in, in, in um, Costa Rica is now recognized as a national treasure and the central government affords older people in the blue zones uh, extra care and extra um, benefits uh, for being older. Uh, there's longevity tourism in Sardinia and Icaria um, and a little bit in Okinawa. So that they, I mean, they're recognized for truly wonderful accomplishment and for providing the world with the model of reversing this horrible chronic disease epidemic we're suffering. Everybody says they want the recipe for the longevity soup now. <laughs> it's in the book, guys. I'll post a link to it. It's, so, in, it's in the book, but I th you can just go to bluezones.com or you know what? If you uh, if you send me an email, I'll send it to you. My email is dan at bluezones.com. I'll, I'll post it in the show notes too, if, if I get that. That'll be great. I'll, I'll first look for it on the, on the website. Or, or I can send it to you and you can send it to your... Great. To your I, I'll, thank you. That would be wonderful. Uh, Sid says, last year, I heard that Fort Myers had applied to be a blue zone. Does Dan know the status? Fort Myers. It's in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Naples is a blue zone. I actually think it's, um, um, it's starting. So it's uh, part of this uh, Collier County um, uh, blue zone effort. In fact, uh, right now, Vice Media, of all places, is there filming. It's been a huge success there, um, changing the what grocery stores offer. Uh, I think we have four or five dozen Blue Zone certified restaurants. Uh, they've changed the main thoroughfare of Naples, which is very close to Fort Myers, and make it more walkable and bikeable. Uh, that's how we approach it. Is the recipe called Sardinia Minestrone? Yes, I call it the Melis Minestrone, M-E-L-I-S. Because okay, I found it on the Blue Zone website. It has cranberry beans and chickpeas. Is that the one? There you go. Okay, I'm going to put you guys, I'll post a link to it. Perfect. So, you know, I, I was listening to a podcast and you had said that most of the people in the Blue Zones eat savory breakfast. And I thought that was so interesting because so do I. And I work a lot with people that are trying to lose weight that are food addicts. And I find that it's so much easier when you don't start your day with something sweet. Yes. Or with bacon and eggs, you know, it's, uh, um, yeah. So in Okinawa, it will be a, a chunky miso soup in, um, in, in Ikaria could be owls and bread. Um, so yeah, that's, um, yeah, you don't get that big glycemic spike and, and, uh, and then the, the ensuing fatigue. So yeah, it's, it's an idea I love, I love to promote and introduce. Yeah, me too. So here's a good question from Rebecca. Were there any other locations that were close to blue zones, but that didn't quite make it into the book? Like they were like semi-blue zones, they're almost good enough to be a blue zone. Yeah, there's one in uh, Sicily. It's called Isiolo. I'm probably mispronouncing that. And then um, there's one in Canada, Nova Scotia, these Acadian uh, um, villages where they almost made it, uh, you know, and, 
And uh, Mormons do pretty well too, but not as good as Adventists. So yeah, there's a, there's a number of second place, but as you know, in America, we only care about first place. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. So here's an interesting question. Do they eat desserts in the blue zone? For celebrations, yes. It's not a daily event, but if you go to a wedding, there'll be a dessert and um, a, a, a birthday. Uh, the Costa Ricans are really great at making it. They, they all have a great dessert, but it's, it's celebratory. It's not breakfast, lunch, and dinner. No. Like in the United States. No, exactly. Yeah, most people, a lot of people eat dessert for breakfast in the United yeah. States. Yeah, it's a, AKA cereal. Right, or, yeah. <laughs> or a croissant or a donut, yeah. So here's a great question. How can the departments of health incorporate adaptation of blue zone traits? Uh, don't try to change people's behavior because you will blow through your whole budget and you'll get nowhere in the long-term. Change their environment to make the healthy choice unavoidable. That's the mantra. Um, you know, you know, AJ, that that um, there's so much confusion around diet. We can't even get people to agree what is a healthy diet. Is it paleo? Is it keto? Is it South Beach? Is it vegetarian? Is it vegan? What is it? What was pescatarian? So first of all, is it eat, eating clean? People don't even know. So um, trying to to guilt people or educate people or incent people to change their behaviors, it's never gonna work. You need to change their environment so that healthy choice is easy, it's delicious, and it's more appealing than the unhealthy choice. And that's the mantra. Absolutely, let's see. Okay. Oh, here's a great question. Uh, do they use a lot of salt, a lot of oil, a lot of sugar in the blue zones to flavor their food? No. So, I mean, they use some salt, but as you know, Americans get most of their salt from insidious sources like sauces and, and um, soups. And, you know, they're going to add salt to their food, but not the hidden salt that we do. Um, they use a good bit of olive oil or some other olive oil, perhaps even more than we do. But um, the average American consumes about 22 teaspoons of sh added sugar a day. And in, in the blue zones, it's about seven. So... Not wow. much. Is each blue zone based on a different faith? Like I know Loma Linda, it's the Seventh-day Adventists. And... Yeah, well, Icaria, Sardinia, and, and um, uh, Costa Rica, they're all Christian. And then in, in, um, in Okinawa, you have Shinto and Buddhism. But faith is an important component in all blue zones. The, 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 the climates are very different in these places. I mean, Costa Rica is a very different climate, for example. Well, interestingly, they're all at about the same latitude. You know, they're not tropical. Uh, they're above the tropics. Um, they're, all, they're all warm enough that people can have a, a garden and be outside all year round but not so hot that they're dealing with infect equatorial infectious disease. They're all at about the 20th parallel. Um, so I would say the climates are more alike than they are different. Layla says, what about spices? Do they use a lot of them and which ones do they typically use? 
Well, generous use of herbs in the Mediterranean blue zones, uh, rosemary, sage, oregano, um, catnip uh, in, uh, in Costa Rica, you'll see, again, mostly, herb, I mean, they have, they'll eat peppers there, these chileros, which is kind of a um, hot peppers and vegetables marinated in a vinegar, and they use that as a hot sauce. Uh, but, you know, the flavor profile in Costa Rica is usually you're going to see uh, onions, red pepper, like a bell pepper, uh, and cilantro, and garlic. You know, those four kind of all appear together. Uh, in, in Okinawa, not much in the way of, of uh, spices. Turmeric, you'll see there. But they use a good bit of dashi, which is uh, flavored from seaweed. So they... You know, once again, the great secret to cooking for longevity is to make food, simple peasant food, taste delicious. And the Okinawa, the people in blue zones do that better than just about any place else in the world. Yeah. Nancy wants to know, by any chance, you know, the incident of incidence of colon cancer in the blue zones. I'm sure it's pretty low. It's low, but I don't know. Do you think anybody in the blue zones either has or have ever heard of things like the Instant Pot or the air fryer? No, but uh, they, you, you will see pressure cookers, but not the Instant Pot. By the way, I'm a big fan of the Instant Pot. I think it's a, it's a big time saver and a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see if there's any other questions here about the blue zones. Well, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very interested in help people adopt a healthier diet, but when people go on a diet, they usually go off the diet and many diets fail most in fact. So what is it about the blue zone diet that will work for people? It's delicious, first of all. I, the blue zone diet is not gonna ask you to weigh your grams or uh, combined foods. It's very simple. It's whole plant-based. Uh, five pillars are whole grains, tubers, greens, nuts, and beans. And um, it leads with deliciousness. Uh, and instead of trying to get you to remember something, it tries to convince you to cook uh, six to 10 recipes until you find a handful that you really love. And then to build a social network around that those foods, that way of eating and introduce it to your family, set up your kitchen. It leads with environment instead of asking you to lead with discipline and, and uh, individual responsibility. Uh, that is a, I'm writing that down. That is so profound. Lead with environment instead of, say it again, because I'm writing, lead with environment instead of discipline. Yes. That is, that's the secret to dieting. That's the secret to weight loss right there. You nailed it in like seven words. Fantastic. So here's a question from, where did it go? Sorry, this moves very quickly when I'm saying, from Diane. How many children that are raised in the blue zones actually stay in the blue zones? I'm thinking. I would, I don't think there's any great attrition. There, there are people, I don't think it's extraordinary one way or another. Um, you know, people who go to the, go to the university, their kids who go to the university might not come back, but I, I, I would, I would say uh, people at the end of their life, they come back to be with their families. What is the main cause of death in the blue zones? 
Well, our bodies kind of have an expiration date. We don't like to acknowledge it, but um, the average, our, our bodies, if you do everything right your entire life and you have an average set of genes and you're a woman, you should make it to your early to mid nineties. And if you're a man, you should make it to, you know, your early nineties. Um, that's, that's about all you can ask. And once you, every seven years on average, your cells uh, die and replace themselves. And every time they replace themselves to the doubling of genetic and cellular damage, the definition of aging is the buildup of that. So by the time you're 70 or 80 years old, you have such a mass buildup of, of cellular damage, you know, your skin wrinkles, if you're a man, your hair falls out, your teeth um, deteriorate, your joints um, suffer, your arteries clog, uh, systems just stop working. It's just, you know, in the same way, we've yet to build a car that lasts more for about 10 years. Uh, the body has a certain expiration date and that's at about nine decades. And we're, there's no, herb or genetic intervention or hormone that is, has, um, uh, has, has even on the scientific horizon is going to even change that. Yeah. And do, do you notice do, do a lot of people in the blue zone smoke? They used to in, 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 uh, in Icaria, they smoked. Uh, most men smoke when they were young, the vast majority no longer smoke, which shows that even if you smoke now, uh, if you quit, you can still live a long time. But no, the smoking is not a big. That's great. Do they, do they wear sunscreen? No. Wow. They're in the sun all the time too. But on the other hand, they're, they're not Scandinavians. You know, they're 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 Latin Americans, or you know, these Okinawans are southern uh, uh, south southeast Asia. So they they have the pigmentation in their skin that helps protect them. Right. James wants to know, has a documentary ever been made about the people of the Blue Zones? I'm making one right now with Netflix. So stand that is, by. That is fantastic. I can't wait. When it comes out, let me know and we'll tell everybody. That's fantastic. So Valeria says that, I know that in the Blue Zones, communication with other people is a big deal. Having dinner with friends and family and neighbors, having parties. How are the people coping with the pandemic? You know, they eluded it for a long time, but, but um, the generally COVID is hitting the blue zones less than it's hitting surrounding uh, areas. In fact, in Sardinia, uh, and the blue zone had the lowest rates of COVID in all of Italy, but, um, you know, eventually it's, I believe it's going to make its way there. Uh, the advantage people in blue zones, they have stronger immune systems because of the way they eat and they're going to have lower death rates. Kathy says, I'm wondering what percentage of the longevity in the blue zones can be attributed to genetics? 20%. Wow. It's about the same as America. It's like when Dr. Campbell says, genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. Everyone's saying they can't, everybody, just so you know, everybody's saying you look great, you look dapper, they love your your location, and they're looking forward to the documentary. Here's a great question from Nancy, who's watching live. What's the best way to introduce a blue zone mentality to the general American culture? Cigarette ads are no longer allowed on television commercials. Shouldn't junk food ads be banned too? I think so. 
I think so too. I mean, when I say change the environment, it's also the regulatory environment, the the marketing environment, um, the the um, I, taxation, the, the fiscal environment. Uh, if you don't make these bad habits expensive and unappealing, people are going to gravitate because we're genetically hardwired to crave fat and sugar and salt and these engineered mouthfeels from places like, you know, Nabisco. And they're going to win out unless, unless we do something to change the uh, ecosystem to, to, to make them harder. And that's achieved through education. It starts with education. Education is not the best light lever, but quite honestly, taxation and then regulation. That's how we beat smoking down. I hate to say it. Uh, some people don't like this idea of having their freedoms curbed, but on the other hand, you know, they they also don't like to see their their uh, spouses and parents die prematurely. So you have to choose one or the other. Do you, do you keep in touch with any of the people that you work with? Yeah, I have. I, I was corresponding with one um, today. In fact, my fixer in, in Costa Rica. Um, I sent uh, about 5,000 masks down to Costa Rica to help out down there. My great friend in Sardinia, Gianni Pesci, and I, uh, that's really part of my life these days. Wow. Well, how can we support you in your work? I, here's what I'd love. I would love if you would come to at Dan Butner's, which is my Instagram handle, and follow me. I love that. And... Um, I right now, AJ, I'm doing something very cool. I'm, called, I'm traveling across America with uh, the great National Geographic photographer, David McLean, and we're capturing uh, Blue Zones recipes in America, and I'm having a ball with it and capturing the most gorgeous photography and best recipes, and we're chronicling it on Instagram, and I, I would love, I'd love you to follow me and, and uh direct message me and I love, I just love communicating with people. Well, I, I put it in the show notes, I put it in the chat and I'm gonna follow you myself. So thank you for saying that. Well, thank you for the work you do. It's not only wonderful, but it's just, it's, it's just really fascinating. Thank you. Well, I love the work you do. We're, we're definitely part of the same team and I really appreciate you introducing me to your, all your friends out there on, on Instagram and Zoom and, and YouTube and you're doing great things in the world, Chef AJ and, and uh, um, it's it's really the I think the the vegan mafia that's making the big difference in how we're eating in America. And you're, you're a powerful force of that. And I, I personally thank you. Thank you. Kathy wants to know if you ever met Walter Longo. I know Walter Longo very well. He's the uh, um, the fasting expert. He's probably the the greatest expert in the world on intermittent fasting at uh, USC and. He's got a great book. I think it's the longevity something or other. He's uh, he's the real deal. Do they ever do actual water fasting in the blue zones, like the kind that Dr. Goldhammer does at the Trinidad Health Center? There was fasting, but it was forced fasting. You know, people ran out of food. That's why people fasted in the blue zone. Or it was religious fasting, you know, for an, the Greek Orthodox, for example, we see in, in Ikaria, they're about half of the days they're, they're asked to fast, whether it's like Lent or 
you know, Sunday or Saturday, whatever. So anyway. So last question, Dan, what is the healthiest diet? You know, it goes by a bunch of names, but it's a whole food plant-based diet, period. If you have to, if you're taking a wrapper off of beware, if you, you know, we've heard this before, if you, if you, if you don't understand the ingredients, beware. Uh, if it's something that grows in your garden or, or you can, you can be pretty sure. And then of course, I'm the self-appointed king of beans. So uh, the, I still think the best food on earth is beans and the beans you love. And that's not a hill of beans. And there's, 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 isn't there like 18,000 different kinds of beans or something like that? There, yeah, I don't even know that. I, I know of about 15 kinds of beans and that keeps me busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed catching up with you again, Dan. And please let me know when the documentary is out so that we can maybe either do this again, or at least I can promote it everywhere that I promote things. Cause I, I, I think it's going to be amazing. Everybody has Netflix now, so. You're the best, AJ. Thank yeah. you so much. Well, thank you, Dan. And thank all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow when my guest is Dr. Ned Nedley from the, excuse me, Dr. Neil Nedley from the Weimar Institute. He's going to be talking about nutrition in the brain. Take care and thanks again, Dan. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Yeah, bye.